Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to back to the Life and Times of Quarantine podcast. I am your loyal and faithful host, Marjani Rawls. Uh, this is the second episode of the podcast, and I am joined today by the esteemed, the great journalist, photographer, extraordinaire, Emily Tan. Emily, how are you? I, I, I start this podcast, and it... And, it's weird because it could either be an easy question or a very loaded question with three words. How are you? It's funny. You actually caught me on a really good day. Um, it wasn't great this morning. I was like, I have all these calls and meetings before actually talking to you. And I didn't get breakfast. So, like, if I'm chomping on something at the same time or drinking some seltzer, like, that's where we're at. I'm literally, I'm trying to make sure I have fuel for the day. But other than that, the sun's out. Um, you know, crap still kind of, things are still kind of crappy around. We're still in a pandemic. Yeah, we're still but, like, yeah, it's still happening. Yeah, it's still happening. Um, but I don't know. Today just feels a little, I feel a little bit more optimistic about things today, despite, you know, things that are in the news at the moment. Yeah, it's currently sunny, a little warm, springs <laughs> in the air. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, it's like, yeah. we're still in the pandemic, but you kind of feel, all right, like, maybe things are going to open up a little bit more. Maybe we'll feel safe to kind of be around each other and not like, oh, God, like, uh, am I going to make you sick? Am I going to make I, me sick? I know, like, when I get my second dose in a week, uh-huh. I'm going to laminate the hell out of my card and just show it and just be like, Listen, I'm good. I'm good. I'm all right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I actually, I forgot about that. Like, I I actually got my second dose uh, this past weekend. I, I think today, maybe that's why I'm optimistic, because today I finally feel no side effects. Oh, okay. Like, I still feel a little tinge of, like, just a little pain in my shoulder, but nothing, like, crazy. Um yeah, Sunday was terrible. I was like, I was like, I feel sick, but I know I feel like I'm not getting anyone sick, but also I just feel terrible. <laughs> um, yeah, but I was like, it's okay. That means I'm protected and it's fine. Um, yeah, maybe that that's part of it too, is just like, I'm looking forward. Well, one, you know, it's warmer so we can actually do things outdoors. Um, it makes you feel a little like, oh no, I can't really ask people to hang out because it's freezing and like we could be in coats and sitting in an outdoor bar space or whatever <laughs> and our drinks freeze because we decided to get a cold drink instead of getting a hot toddy or something. Um, but now we can actually go and light jackets and be in the sun and be in the park and feel like normal people despite the fact that we're still in a pandemic. <laughs> yeah, so. I kind of felt like that was, like I know like restaurants have to make money and yeah. I'm with them, but like I kind of felt like it was a little like ridiculous. Like during the winter, like outdoor dining of people in like big old coats and trying to like <laughs> eat outdoors. Like it's just like, all right, man. I understand yeah. that you want some like normalcy, but it's like ten degrees. Like that, that shit. You know that shrimp scampi is not going to be as hot. <laughs> what do you get? I mean, I remember. I forgot when it was. I definitely had to because I, I live in Brooklyn, but I do. I have been going into Manhattan a few times a week. Whether it's to just like I go into the office like once a week um, and stuff, and then um, you know just like for errands or just to not be 
in my neighborhood in Brooklyn. And I remember it was definitely a weekend because people were brunching and it was cold. And I knew that this was not worth it when I saw someone whip out their like snowboarding gloves, like those <laughs> thick, like you can't really hold anything gloves and still manage to try to eat their eggs Benedict with it. And I was like, is it really worth it to try to have this gigantic glove come at your mouth and you'll probably miss it and now you just messed up your coat or whatever you're wearing? Um, I just, yeah. I mean, I'm all for I'm all for seeing people. I miss, I definitely miss my friends. I miss like I miss our photo our photo gang of people and like seeing people in the photo pit and like I definitely was a grandma like before the pandemic <laughs> before no I mean a grandma in the in the photo pit like I definitely was there was a point where I was like I'm done with festivals and I am not gonna deal with this anymore I'm getting too old for it and then like for some reason give me a year of just no music like live music at all and now I'm just like oh my god I can't wait to go to potentially have to crash into someone's elbow because they're just taller than me and I'm short and like carry this 40 pound bag of photo equipment as I try to maneuver myself through the crowd like that you know I miss all of that all of a sudden because so. that's, that's where, like, we first met, I think, yeah. at Made in America, right? Yes! Oh, my gosh. Yes, I remember that. I remember that. Wait, was that the one... Was that the one when Beyonce performed? Or was it... Wait, did Beyonce and The Weeknd perform the same time? I don't even remember. Was yeah. that the same... I think... Because I think, like, we were walking and we all went together. It was, like, me, you, Ken, uh, Deshaun... Yeah, there are other people yeah. there too, and like yeah. we walked and went to go get pizza while I can't feel my face was playing while as we yes, were walking away. We were just like, "What was that set?" He was backlit, and we're just like, "What photos did you get?" I got nothing, and then I see Deshaun's photo, and I was like, "Of course you got something." <laughs> That's literally how I felt. But I also remember that was I feel like the same year that like the uh, that future played. Two, I don't know if you went into that pit, yeah, but I yeah. with me, Ken and Deshaun, and they were so mad because I guess like security was letting in like futures people into the pit. So we were just trying to get our photos and then they're trying to crowd around. We're just like, we're just trying to work. And they're like, forget this. And they're like left. And I'm just like still trying <laughs> to get them. And then try to crawl, like, crawl my way out of the photo pit. Oh, was, yeah. No, I, I miss that. I, rem- I do miss it I, I remember, yeah, I remember that set because I got their second song. And yeah. it was super rowdy. That stage, I forgot what the stage is called, but it was super That's rowdy cool. all weekend because I, I think Travis Scott played there too. Yeah, um, I definitely remember trying to get in for Travis Scott. And I was like, nope, that's not happening. Unless I climb on someone. (laughs) Like, there's no way. Yeah, I I remember that because Travis Scott, I was like, first song, I was like, okay, not bad. And then (laughs) second song, where everybody started, I was like, oh shit. Okay, it's only a matter matter of time until security kicks us out. I was like, five, four, three... To security is like everybody out, everybody. Out. As soon as like crowd surfers went, it was like everybody go. All right, we yeah, go. 
I remember that too because I remember all of you coming out and I'm there like trying to get my fashion photos in like for another gallery I'm working on and I'm like well I'm just chilling photographing beautiful people hi how are you guys and you guys are so defeated looking you're just like don't even talk to me and I'm like I'm so sorry yeah, yeah. I just kind of like walked out of the photo pit like looked at the ground and just kind of like threw my hands up I was like I got something mm-hmm. I got a picture I think. Yeah. Uh, it's it, funny because people don't realize that, like, you know, we try. We try to do it all in 15 minutes or less, usually less. It's just like an Olympic sport, I think. <laughs> so you got to carry, like, your your photo bag and then your photos and then your dodging fans and then your yeah. dodging dirt. It's like oh gosh. at the end of, like... Each day, you're putting kiesel tape on your shoulders. You're, like, <laughs> trying to get people to, like, align your back. It's like, all right. Oh, like, yeah. it's just like, all right. It's time to go back to battle tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, it, it's funny because I literally was um, – I tell people, oh, you know how people, like, work out for the summer? Yeah. I, lit- I always tell – when I was definitely doing more festivals and just, like, outdoor, like, outdoor live stuff in the summer – I knew that was super busy for me. And I was like, nope, I'm going to work out in the summer and you'll see I'll be my fittest person. Because between between the carrying of equipment, like on your back the whole time, running everywhere you need to run while in the pit, then running away from people when like crazy shit happens. And then if you're at a festival running from one stage to the next, that if you calculate that on a Fitbit is about a mile and a half to make it for like the three song thing. Like you work out a lot during festival season. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, like I think a lot of festivals right now are announcing their, either their their dates or their lineups for September. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Like I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> at, at one point, at like some point, I'm like, all right. At the rate of vaccinations are going right now, maybe mm-hmm. we could maybe we could pull this off. Like maybe we yeah. could do this. Yeah. At, at the same time, I'm like Winston. I'm like, is that a little too soon <laughs> to be around? Yeah, I saw the of lineup. I saw the lineup. Who? What is it? The one in Vegas? It's like yeah, during Halloween. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that lineup, and it's funny. Someone was like, "What's their? Who are their headliners?" And I was just like. To be honest, I think about, like, festival lineups now, and we don't really have, like, it wasn't, like, before where people were, like, who are the headliners? You're really just going there for who you want to see. And it's not one person. It's, like, a group of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I feel like those festivals are going to, they'll probably sell out. It's just who's going to show up. It's one thing to buy a ticket. It's another to actually make it there, I think. Make it there, go up until, like, these big-ass pods of people and be comfortable like standing around them for three days yeah like yeah i already think like festival people after some point in the first day are gross like in covid times like i'm foreseeing a lot of festival fashion to be hazmat suits or some makeshift (laughs) hazmat suit um i think that will be the fashion um because i know people really want to see live music i I know you and I do want to do that, but um, it's kind of just how willing are you to do that even being vaccinated? Um, not to say that no one's going to do it because I know there's going to be people who aren't even vaccinated oh. and will do it. So, oh, like, yeah. you know, oh, but yeah, yeah well, I, 
I'm very curious. I mean, I've also seen, at least in Europe, I would say like the UK, a lot of UK artists have been releasing their their dates for like September to the end of the year, too. I've been like looking at that and I've been looking how like soon the dates are and just kind of like keeping an eye on them. I'm like, if they could pull it off without like little to no hitches, I'm like, then maybe then we can do it. You know what I mean? Well, here's my thing, right? Like, what is it? Was it over the weekend? Um, Barcelona hosted their first show, right? And that was like, that was like full capacity. The photos did show everyone had a mask, but no one, I mean, like you are, it felt like normal times, but everyone was in masks. And then I saw also in Holland, they did a concert too. I don't know if it was a, I don't think it was a festival. I think it was a concert. Um, and they also did one, I believe, at full capacity. I'm not so sure if it was. It just looked it. Um, and I don't know. I feel like in the coming weeks, we'll see what their numbers look like. Yeah. Because um, I know, see- like, I know Australia has been, they've been doing festivals and shows. Yeah, 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 yeah. They have, like, I know big parts of Australia have, like, almost zero transmission, which is really good. They, they've been really stringent on that. So, yeah. With having like artists go there, quarantine for two weeks, and then mm-hmm. go and play the festival, so it's just like okay, well, it's normal somewhere. You know what I mean? Like maybe it could be normal here. Yeah. Uh, as we like vaccinate more, my okay, like so I have a question for you. Like when this pandemic started, I feel like everybody has an entry point, and I, I yeah. asked Ken this last episode, like when did it hit you that like we weren't going back to normal? Um, I. So, okay, so this is a little bit of, it's funny the how are you wasn't that loaded, but this has like a little bit more context. (laughs) Um, So I grew up in a very medical family. Um, My mom is, they're both, my parents are both retired, but like my mom was an ER nurse for many, many years. And my dad is a medical technologist, so he works in the blood bank and he didn't retire actually until New Year's Eve of last year. Um, where he was like, oh, the pandemic, yeah, maybe I should stop working now. Like, I'm too old for this. Apologies for that. Um, yeah, and I think I think uh, it was during that time, um, like, even when it was starting, I already had a feeling something bad was going to happen. Like, I think when they started having the cases were coming to America, I think that's when things started to kind of get real for me. And I was like, oh, maybe it's just the flu. We've had SARS. We've had bird flu, whatever. And then um, I remember going into work. Uh, it was like in March. And um, was it March? I think, yeah, March. And um, I already was like, kind of sick not like not like sick i i have asthma and it was just like i for some reason my asthma is being exacerbated that week uh which i haven't had in a while um and so i already was being careful and stuff and i remember my boss coming in uh, asking me to come into his office and she was like so what do you think like you've been hearing about this pandemic stuff like whatever and i was like i don't know like we don't have anyone in new york so i think we're okay but I feel like we're going to start probably going to have to close the office. They've been doing it in other places. And he was like, you know, the only time we're gonna, that's going to happen is if someone got it. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and then like, lo and behold, I, because I was like, I was already um, trying to just be mindful of my own health in general outside of COVID. I 
I was kind of doing this thing where, you know, um, I had a hard time being, I was on some treatment that kind of weakened my lungs. So like even just commuting was a little hard for me at the time. And because like just basic air pressure was just like messing with me. So I was working from home already. And then I get an, we get an email from like our COO and he's like, we're shutting down the office. And then the first questions on Slack were like, who brought the COVID to the office? And we're just like, what's happening? And the thing was, they literally said we're only shutting down for like two to three weeks. Yeah. And cause, then, yeah. Because it like, at first when that happened and like stuff shut down for me, I was like, okay, everything's going to get shut down for maybe a month. Mm-hmm. Tops, right? And then we'll we'll go back to normal, like movie theaters will be open and stuff like that. Next thing you know, the next month, like I'm waiting to go into Wegmans one by one wearing gloves and like a mask wow. being super care- careful of everything I touch like yeah. uh, like shopping carts and like bringing in groceries to like my apartment I'm wiping everything down like I, I'm like I don't want I do not want this like I, I do not want to get sick and we of course, like you coming from like a medical background and medical family, like we still didn't know. We we were trying to figure out like, okay, it's airborne. Should we wear a mask? Should we not wear a mask? Like, sh- are should we even be around each other? It was it was crazy. Yeah, it was really interesting because so like my so the reason I bring up the medical family part is like so my mom like she she was working. She worked through, like, the AIDS epidemic. She worked through measles outbreaks. And then also through 9-11. Like, she was on the Jersey side, essentially intaking dead bodies from, from um, like, Ground Zero and stuff and, like, trying to, like, help out there. Um, so she, it's almost like my, fam- my family, like, me and my parents, we already had this weird, we're kind of used to certain processes that I think a lot of people aren't used to. <laughs> So, like, a good example would be, um, I remember when the AIDS epidemic started and, like, my mom, you know, obviously you don't, AIDS was new. No one knew if it was airborne, all these things, whatever. And um, I remember the first time she took care of a, a patient um, who was who was um, diagnosed as um, HIV positive and also um, had AIDS. And she came home and I was little and I, like, wanted to hug her. And she's like, don't touch me. Um wait until I get changed and shower. And this is before we knew that obviously that's not how you get it. <laughs> you know, like it was just, there was just this care and whatever. And like comparing that to like how it went with like, with um COVID, um, you know, my mom retired, has been retired for a while. My dad, as I said, recently retired. And when he was still working at the lab, like he treated it that same way. And he would literally, like, my mom would literally be at the stairs. My dad would come in. He, like, sanitized everything he touched. He wore gloves. He, like, um, luckily, like, they live in a two-floor house. There was a bathroom downstairs. He, like, changed. Like, we, it's like there was already a process in place that almost felt like to other families or other people was just, like, completely out of the norm and not normal. But, like, I don't know, like, with my 
growing up in that environment younger and like I was I don't live with my parents but like as they were telling me there's like it's weird that kind of felt like clockwork and you just kind of got used to it faster than I think other people did adjusting um as for me meanwhile I have my little sanitation station at my right at the door and I'm like wiping everything I'm like stripping down trying to take a shower like because you didn't know like you didn't know if if it's in the air, if it touches your stuff, like, are you going to breathe it in? Like, there was just so much there. And, and I think I'm obvious, I'm definitely not at the point now. Like, I think after a while, it, it was, the you know, that I think was it April to June was probably where I was at the height of my holy crap. Like, what am I? Is this how I'm going to live my life forever? And then on top of that, because of just like my respiratory problems and like how I had a few attacks prior to everything shutting down. I, because, you know, masks were really hard to come by, um, cloth masks weren't a thing yet. I actually didn't leave my actual apartment for six, for five to six weeks. Wow. I, yeah, I ended up, um, I ended up getting, um, luckily, Instacart. I was lucky enough to have Instacart. They would deliver it to your door. I'd be like, leave it there. I'll get it there. <laughs> you know, I, my apartment is really close to the trash chute. So I was able to like throw away trash. I think I accumulated a lot of recycling, but you know, I looked a little like hoarders. It was fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I just, I was so scared. And like, I remember there was a point where it's just, I mean, I I was obviously everyone felt like mo- their emotions were really affected and the mental health was really affected. And I think for me, what made it hard was like, it's one thing to be able to not be able to do anything outside, right? And I completely like, that's really hard. Like, to know that you can't go see your friends, you can't go see your loved ones, you can't see family, um, whatever will take it to dating, like you can't see the person that you just met. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the pandemic, you're like, oh man, that date was great. We can not see each other until for the foreseeable future. I'll see you in, um, you know, two months. Everything's fine. Um, yeah, so all of that. But I think for me, what really hit home was that I would sit at my window and I just be like, I look at people playing outside and I'm just like, I can't do that. I literally felt like bubble girl for those five to six weeks. Like I was just like, oh my gosh. Like the, because my fear was the moment I step outside. I would then not only worry about getting COVID, but then because of like just the fact that my lungs were just not at its full strength at the mo- at that time, that I would just collapse and no one would be able to help me. And that was terrifying, you know, and I live alone. So like I needed to make sure that I was 100% taken care of while I like, which is me taking care of myself and all of that. Um, so that was really hard, I would say. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I definitely level with you there. Like, I had a, like a little table and in, in front mm-hmm. in front of my door, so it was like a little routine where like I bought stuff. I had uh, Lysol wipes, which were like gold back then, and I would just yeah. like wipe stuff down. But I would run to the bathroom to like wash my hands first. Like I was like, oh, oh my god! Like you know what I mean? Like I don't want to touch my, my face or anything before that. Um. There was one point where I think it was in the summer. It, it was yeah. definitely May or June, and I was walking around my neighborhood, like just getting some fresh air, like doing some running, and everybody was at the park, and I was just like, "Okay, this is kind yeah. of 
this was fine. Well, okay, it's not fine, but like it's cool to see everybody kind of get back to a normal, but at the same time, like, oh my god, like nobody's wearing a mask. I know it's outdoors, but at the same time, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Are we like jumping back into doing this while cases are still high? And yeah. you know, I it was weird. It, it was just a weird period because especially during April and May, like I was telling a friend, like it felt like living through the walking dead. Like mm. you had like, all right, well, let me get home at a certain point because like, you know, maybe people are gonna be careless and maybe I could get sick. Let me just kind of like do things in the daylight so I could see um what I'm doing, how I'm cleaning stuff. And at and at the time, like there were a lot of stores that were closed. Like it was yeah. like Walmart, Target, grocery store, that's it. Like you hear me? Like that you know, it's it was like, all right, cool. Like, I could walk through Target and maybe see some people. And, like, oh, that's cool. Like, people are living and doing stuff. Uh, it was just, I don't know. Like, it was just a very weird point where time didn't feel like it was just going on and on. Like, instead of it being April, May, and June, it just felt like April 60th or April 90th. Um, so. Yeah, I definitely didn't see the the end of it (laughs) it's weird to be on the other side in a weird way yeah because like i like i said like i'm about to get my second dose you've already had your second dose so it feels as though like when i get my second dose maybe i'll go back to march 13th 2010 and like pick up life there like you mean (laughs) like it's like i was in an alternate dimension for a year and then it's just like all right cool I'm back. All right. That was just kind of like the Avengers blip. And now <laughs> everything is back to normal. You know what I mean? Yeah. So no, it's true. You mentioned like you had to stay in for five, six weeks. Like yeah. how was your, how did you like even process that mental health wise? Um, It was a lot. Um, I, so I definitely felt the, uh, the Zoom fatigue was real, and that happened real fast for me. I was like, I appreciate my colleagues for doing happy hour Zooms and, like, lunch Zooms and, like, whatever. But I think, again, um, because I have a lot of friends and family who worked in the medical industry, and at the time, you know, COVID was rapidly spreading, but, like, it wasn't affecting as many people yet that I that I knew I felt like it was affecting my people I knew personally but like my colleagues didn't feel that same way does that make sense yeah it does um, and you know I would have to talk to I have a I have a friend who works who I have friends who were working directly with covid patients every day because they just had to you know and and like I have a really close I had a really close family friend who pretty much to me was like like a like an older cousin, big brother kind of thing, and he passed um, from COVID, and he was a he was a ICU nurse um, and stuff. And I remember like my mom telling me, and I was just like, I like broke down, and she was just like, Oh my gosh, I didn't think he would be that emotional. And I was like, 
I think what made it hard was I remember when I was a teenager and he was just like, he and I would joke around and he asked me like, who are you? Who's your boyfriend? Whatever. And he's like, remember when you get married, I'll be at your wedding. And then I'm like, Aww. oh my gosh, like I'm now like what, when I get married, he won't be there, you know? And, and also like that idea that like he didn't have to die. Like he did it. He obviously um, had to do his job. But it just brought me to this thing of like, there's so many people, especially core frontline workers or like healthcare professionals. And that obviously was direct, that was the one I really linked to because of just all the people I knew. Like they, they didn't have to die. Or like, I have cousins who got COVID. I have, I have uncle, an uncle and aunt who got COVID. Like I had so many members of my family get COVID. It wasn't like fun to have to listen to. And you know, I, I did my best to, you know, read about it. And I like, you know, not just like the basic news, just like, you know, read the science about it and try to understand it and, you know, provide whatever information I could for someone who never went to med school. Um, just so that, you know, whether with my aunt and uncle that like, her their daughter my cousin would be a little bit more like calm or like talking to my mom to like, explain those things it was it was definitely really heavy and I doubt I I'm not I feel like I was in a weird autopilot mode of just like processing a lot of things I I think I cried more after all of that like months later but like while I was in it and just all of things were happening it's 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 almost like I just need if I have to be this strong person from afar for like my family or my friends like I will do that um and that was hard when it was trying to like, I'm this person here, but like, what, then I have to go to work and act like everything's fine. Um, and that that's probably where the mental health was like really struggling was just trying to be two different people at once. Um, because that's exhausting, you know, mm-hmm. like, um, you, I can never expect someone to empathize or sympathize with what I am going through at that moment. And I know not everyone has that level of empathy. But like my reaction to that a lot of the time is then I just won't show you what I'm feeling. Um, And then you'll just see a random outburst. You are like, why is she being like this? Um, Because I, I just, I don't want, I didn't want anyone to have to be uncomfortable. I just wanted to, I wanted to try to, especially in work, I wanted to keep things as like, um, not smooth sailing, but kind of like, you know, let's just, keep going and 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 I think that's that I that's part of just like my culture and how I was brought up and like you know you just power through the hard stuff and especially if it's emotional stuff you just keep working just focus on that and don't focus so much on the emotion and the mental and it was tiring but I mean no got through it it's fine I mean it's not but like you kind of just have to like look at it as a you you got through it kind of thing yeah because we live in the tri-state area where we were hit hard by COVID. Like it was mm-hmm. like thousands upon thousands of people dying a day. Um, depending on where you were, sirens every five minutes. Uh, like uh, mobile morgues of people. Like it's just. I think it got to the point for me where it was so much death and so much sickness. Where like uh, you just spoke to it, where you just kind of feel. It's not that you don't feel empathy. You do feel empathy, but you get numb. It's just like, oh, man, like, 
another day of 4,000 people dying. Like, yeah. and now, like, we're kind of, I mean, we're still in it, but, like, to be on the other side where there was, like, an apex of people dying, I recently kind of, like, take a step back and I'm like, oh, my God, like, over 500,000 people aren't here in a year. That's yeah. insane. You know what I mean? Like, uh, and, and, of course, there was a point where, you know, in the summer you get, like, allergies or something like that. And you're like, oh, my God, is this COVID? Like, yeah. like me, I just sneezed. Um, I may have sneezed, like, around somebody by accident. And they everybody looks at you. You're like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know what I mean? Like, Do you know what's the worst thing about with sneezing nowadays with the mask it is like the grossest yeah feeling to just sneeze in your mask because you're gonna sit with that for a while yeah yeah <laughs> that's why like that now that's why i carry two masks on me just for that like because yeah, i'll be like i'm like you and then all of a sudden you got like this grimy nasty mask on your and you're like ew Oh man! Yeah. But I can't take it off. I can't take it off around people because they'll be like, "Okay, what the hell?" Like, so mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, I mean, boy, we've been through <laughs> it's it's we've been through so much in a year's time. Where I feel as we're getting vaccinated, we're all you either have like survivor's guilt or you just kind of feel like I wonder about like the residual effects of what we've just been through. Because I feel like, you know, like, so much stuff has happened, even through during COVID, that yeah. we've had to fight through that we'll get into in a little bit, that we didn't really have time to pause and reflect on what happened to us or the year that we lost. Or, you know what I mean? Like, you go, you were speaking about Zoom meetings. Like, I was, I was dating somebody for a little bit and we would do, like, Zoom dates and, like, uh, movie dates to a point where she was like, "I'm so tired of Zoom," and yeah. I'm like, "And I'm like, listen, I get it. Like, we got to do it for work, and it's tiresome. But at the same time, like, what else do we have? I don't know what to. I don't. I don't know what to do. Like, I don't. What do you? You know, I don't. We can't really meet in person. You know what I mean? Like, or like meet all the time in person. Like, we have to test, and then all of a sudden, you know, take." wait for like 10 days and then if you do meet you got to do it again so i was just like all right like dating's dating during a pandemic is new i can tell my kids this when whenever i have them you know (laughs) yeah um it's definitely it's really weird um things like social distance dating is is a thing um it's so weird i actually i that brought me back to something you when you and ken were talking the other episode of just about like like the stuff that women get as far as like on the apps oh my gosh i was listening to that and i was i forgot where i was but i just laughed so hard because it's so true like the 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 desperation from guys they're like i've never had so many people said i will get tested for you that's love. Like, wow. I don't even know. Is that love, though? Is no, that love? No. Or are you just feeding a need, right? I'm, I'm, like, I'm, it's, I'm, I'm like, joking. It's not, that's not <laughs> love. I mean, that's being responsible. It's but, being responsible. But at the same time, like, going, 
back to what you said, it's like, do you want to get tested for me? Or do you want to get tested because you just want to see somebody? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's just like, oh. I mean, my, my, the worst, the best, worst, like, messages were always like, do you need a quarantine buddy? Follow me. <laughs> stupid gif and i'm just like oh my gosh you just like no like i i'm fine like you know what if i need some company i'm gonna get a puppy a little hard right now i get it but yeah it's just like it's like why why is this why still even in a pandemic there are still gross people out there i don't understand but it's fine this is how the world is. Hey, there was, the apps during the pandemic definitely separated the haves from the have-nots because you actually had to, like, have a conversation. You had to, like, really yeah. pay attention. Like, if you're on Hinge, like, you had to, with those prompts, like, you had to lead in with, like, okay, like, I actually read your prompts. I I want to get to know you and get to know about you other than, like, yeah. the cheesy headlines of, like, you know, uh, Either people are like really nasty, or they're like, "Hey," and you're like, "What?" <laughs> you're like, well, my thing, my thing so. was more like, I definitely got the, uh, I got like you know the people that you've gone on like a few dates with in the past, like they just started to trickle in because they're not like they're not you know like in a way I guess I guess the mindset is like, well, you know me, so I could be safe, right? I don't know. Like, I don't know where the thinking of is that. I don't know if they, you were at, like, that person was out there like, oh, hey, I haven't contacted Emily in a while. Why don't I just reach out? Like, it just, the thing is, it's, ha- it's interesting because that happens in pre-pandemic times, right? That you just kind of pop up and someone said and they reach out to you. But, like, when that happened in mass, I was like, all right, something's wrong. <laughs> like, I was like, is it is it where I am in your address book alphabet alphabetically like i did you now remember that we had a good time before you ghosted me like don't know where this is coming from also shocked you have my number still um that was interesting um like uh, guys just like sitting on their couches playing love hurts going through their phones like yeah oh like oh here's emily uh let me (laughs) Let me go ahead and like send that text and I'm like, hey, yeah, like, how are you doing? Blah blah blah. I was like, dude, I've been years. Like, what? What's going on? Thought you disappeared. Thought you left New York. Like, what? Oh no, I'm back now. I'm back. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. I'm just like, I, I could not, could not handle that. I was like, you know what? It's fine. I'm just, just gonna be here, watch my Netflix and HGTV, and I'm just gonna. Just gonna keep going and eat ice cream, like whatever. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you do. <laughs> oh man. Oh, see, like dating after pand- the pandemic is gonna be hilarious. I think because we're all gonna be like adverse to like, do I touch you? Are you vaccinated? I'm so awkward now because I haven't really talked to a lot of people in person. So it's just gonna be like, uh, we're the world is going to be one big school dance and we're all going to like be afraid to ask each other to dance to like Jodeci or something. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, yeah. Hey, uh, oh, I, <laughs> like, I feel like at the same time, I don't know. I mean, obviously not everyone sits with themselves and tries to like reflect, think about their life, whatever. 
But I think at this, I think for me, I I really started to become intentional on what I wanted, um, or like what I didn't want, or like who am am I gonna really give every person a chance, or do I really go and be picky and just give some people a chance and not others? Or I think there's, I think for some people they're gonna do that where it's really awkward and they're just gonna like try to spread their seed as far as they can. But I think there's also going to be like I think there there might be a little bit more of an in, intention in a way. I think there's I think you know I think people we're as human beings we all adapt to whatever we need to do right and um some pe- there's always the ones who just kind of like go with it and do whatever they want and then there's others who are like okay well this is my time to figure out like what do I want do I do I want to just like go back into this and just like in date around or maybe I don't want to put pressure on trying to find the one and just actually enjoy dating instead of being like oh that was a failed date like you know and and this is obviously speaking more from like a woman's perspective um and that's stuff that I definitely I definitely started to think about more like you know I I I have gone on some pandemic dating dates whatever you want to call them and like it was, I don't really know what to name them, right? It's like dating the pandemic, whatever. But like, I've, you know, I've had, I've gone for a drink with someone. I've got, had coffee with someone, like whatever. And, and, you know, whether or not they turned into like friendships or like whatever, then that's fine. But I, I think the good part about it is because of COVID, it was like, you really picked who you were willing to like meet up with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And stuff. So I think it's that kind of intentional. I feel like, to an extent, there will be people who will bring that, bring continue doing that during the pandemic. I mean, after the pandemic, rather. Um, but then there will be, you know, young people who are just ready to get down to Jodeci, regardless of your status. <laughs> and you know what? We could never have erased that, even if we had five pandemics. So, well, not well, not not to boys the band because that I feel like that's like eighth grade, uh, eighth grade dance music. Um, yeah yeah like it's like you know uh you hear those horns to i make love to you and you don't you don't necessarily want to make love like you want to like just like ask your eighth grade crush out on a date you know what i mean yeah like, it's just, yeah from like no. a, yeah from like a dude standpoint um a dude i like so as i said with ken and if you've ever heard like hinge was like the first dating app i was ever on and like i like talking with other guys like of course there's like that whole thing where it's like oh man there's so many women on here let me just try to like like as many as i can and i'm like dude that's that's so overwhelming like you're trying to like get to know so many people and you're not really like you're half-hearted in it you're like okay well your profile says you like Harry Potter. Like, what house are you in? Like, that, that's so boring, I felt. Like, so I was, like, really intentional. I was just like, okay, yeah. like, this is... Let me try to get to know, like, people... Like, women that, like, would like me, first off. And, like, that I've really clicked with. And I've been on pandemic dates. They were definitely weird. Yes. Um, because you're like, all right... Let's go walk through the park with coffee, but we can't, you know what I mean? We have to keep a certain distance from each other, and then you're wearing a mask, so it's like, all right, well, 
I the picture that I have on my profile is me. Like you know what I mean? Like I'm not like gonna uncover myself, and then there's like this whole different jaw that is not on my profile picture. Like this is me, but <laughs> um, going back, yeah, like going back to like what you said, like you're definitely more intentional of like, all right, one, I'm going to see, I'm putting myself at risk potentially to go like hang out with someone, even though I'm doing it safely. So yeah. I, it's probably like something that I'll probably carry post pandemic or like mm-hmm. when more people get vaccinated where I'm just like, all right, like I want to get to know somebody, but like, I don't want to get to know like 50 people. Cause that's, that's a lot. Like, that's like, yeah. listen, like you start mixing up names and favorite colors and stuff like you're going to get yourself, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, I, the, I mean, my approach I think to dating right now is just I I don't mind meeting multiple people. I just I I'm looking at everything as its own thing and you know, I'll just focus on that when that time is um with that person and then see what happens cuz the thing is like you go on like a first date, it's not guaranteed there's going to be like a second two, four, five, six, seven, you know. Um, but you may as well enjoy the time for what it is. And I think my issue is just always worrying about the future before, instead of just being in the day. Yeah. It's just kind of like being in the present. Like I've been, because with it being a pandemic, like I've definitely been on dates where like that person afterwards, she's like, you know, I like you, but like, this is this time right now is just super overwhelming. And I'm like, I, yeah. like, I get it. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you're you're fighting an airborne virus, so like, where it could like cripple you. So I, I get it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not like, and also like with dudes, you know, we have to, um, not internalize that where you're just like, oh man, like, no girl's ever gonna like me because like it didn't get past the first date. Sometimes that shit happens. Like, you just gotta like let that roll off and just get back in the game, dude. You know? Yeah, and if and if you want to take a break, that is also fine too. Yeah. I think I think there's this um, thing where it's almost like if you don't put yourself, there's like that. There's one theory where they're like, let just let it come to you, and then it works for people. And then there's the other theory, like if you don't put yourself out there, then nothing's gonna happen. That works for other people. I think I think it's just do what works for you and go with it. And if you're your brain and your heart and your body is like, I don't want to go on this date, then don't go. Like, just, you're not going to present your best self, right? Like in the end, that's what you want. You want them to get to know who you are. And if you're not, if you're not feeling yourself, then like they're not going to be feeling you. Yeah. That kind of, yeah, that energy is going to come off. Like it's just, yeah. like, dude, dude, why are you here? You know what I mean? Like why are yeah. we in why? this outdoor restaurant? Eating, oh my gosh, yes. Couscous or whatever or like whatever and just like, oh, okay. Like I could oh. be watching Netflix. You know what I mean? Or yeah. Yeah. Especially during the pandemic. Like I'm not gonna lie. Um my pandemic fashion has gone <laughs> the more stretchy pants route because I don't have to wear things that fit. Um and like, if I have to put real pants on or put on a dress that zips for a person, I better be very energized to go on this date <laughs> because that is so much more effort than I'd really like to do during a pandemic. Like, you know, I it's already like 
women will always like women get re- take a bit more time than men to get ready. Yeah, because we just like all right, jeans. We got a nice shirt. Let's get in the shower. Let's iron that baby, and we yeah. are out the door. You know what I mean? I don't know. There's like, I mean, I know there's women who do do have quicker things, but still longer than a guy. Um, and you know, I I'm not gonna put that effort. If A, I don't have the the energy to do it, and B, then I meet someone who doesn't have the energy to be there. Like, thank you for letting me come out of my, my like, cave, but also, like, now I'm here, and I feel like I just, I really could have just been watching an episode of Bridgerton. Like, <laughs> you know. You're not even wearing your good boots here. Like, what are you doing? You know? Yeah, man. Like, shoot, I haven't, like... Yeah, if, if I, I, it is. It feels like a triumph when I do at work. I go. I wore jeans today in my apartment. That is a triumph. Um, because like, why would you even want? Why? Why not just be in sweats all day, right? Yeah, because you'll <laughs> you'll get comfortable, and then you're like, ah, oh, man, I kind of feel icky. So like, days out of the week, I'm like, all right, man, let me let me throw some jeans on. Let me throw like a nice shirt, even though it's, it's doing it for for me. I can feel like I'm I'm not a bum. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I, there are times when I get on a work zoom and they're like, you're dressed up today. And I'm like, am I, or did you just not, did you just decide to wear that band t-shirt? That's, that's fine. I'm not going to judge you. Listen, I like the strokes too. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, it's fine. I, I started to learn like what, my colleagues wore when they're not at the office and it's great I feel like it was like a bond it's like bonding moments i love it so to switch out of dating and to go <laughs> right and to go i guess to go into something a little serious because i'm so glad you're here for this to give some perspective from you know you're a filipino woman and you're a journalist and photographer who has been covering this as well um the rash of violence against Asian Americans. Uh, It's terrible, especially like with what happened in Atlanta and and the shootings and and all that. And with the statistics, which I feel as though people, maybe some people have known, but a lot of people are now, like we talked a little bit, you know, pre-pod that, a lot of people are starting to come around to like, they're like, Oh wow, this is happening. Like, Oh wow. There's this history where, you know, in world war two, there were internment camps that put Asian Americans in basically like concentration camps during like in the West coast. Um, I just wanted to first, like kind of like give you the floor and maybe give you like speak on the events and how you felt like, during all these times because it's been a rash of hate not just now but it feels like this has been festering for a year the rhetoric especially from our former president where he's calling things like covid like kung flu and the china virus in press briefings every single day i know when i watched them every time i heard that and every time it seemed like he tried to like slip that in slyly. I cringed. I was just like, that's disgusting. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not, um, you know what I mean? Like, we don't, you don't contribute that to people and weaponize that against 
a certain type of, of like ethnicity, which it was just like looking for somebody to blame for his own failures. And I just wanted to get like your perspective on what's been going on and kind of what's been going on for a while now. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> that's, that's a lot. Yeah. That's a to... lot, a lot on your <laughs> plate. Um, so I guess we can start with the, with the, um, the shooting, um, in Atlanta. So, okay. With what's hap- what what's been happening to the elders, as we refer to them as our elders who have been attacked, um, you know that's something that's been happening for a while. Um, it happened. It's it's definitely being showed more now in the press. Um, but as you mentioned, when the former president started saying things like "come flu," "China virus," "China flu," um, it already started happening um, from that. Point. Um, people, I always said that, like, it's not that people became racist all of a sudden when Trump went into power. He just made it okay for people to show their racism um, when he became president um, because he would just say things and not even just about the Asian community. I think it's all communities or anyone that wasn't like him. And it, all of a sudden it was okay. And so, you know, I remember when he started talking about that and that was uh, obviously pre-pandemic. It was when, you know, the reports were coming out of China, of Wuhan, and then like as it was filtering into Europe and then like obviously when it touched down in uh, Washington State, um, you know, I, I would be taking the subway and I remember some guy went up to an Asian man and started spraying hand sanitizer in his face like you know obviously very mild compared to the beatdowns we've been seeing but like it's just like something it started with something that's simple right that's small or like you see an older asian woman sit down at the subway and this is before we were all being told to wear masks this is before we shut down and then all of a sudden like it's like the red sea parted and no one wants to come near her you know and 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 she probably was like, whatever, I have more space. But, you know, as someone who's watching that and also, like, as someone who's Asian-American, like, you know what that is. Um, And so things just started to progressively get worse. And then, you know, we started seeing the attacks on elders. And and actually the the people who have been reporting on it, like um, Dion Lim and, like, Seifang Kim and um, Weijia Jiang, like all these, and Weijia Jiang was the one who was like called out um, Donald Trump during the press conference, yeah, like yeah. calling her, calling him straight out, and like props to her for doing that. You know, especially knowing that he's been kicking people out of the press conferences in general, you know, and he she clearly stayed. Um, but I think, I think. Um, you know, I'm very grateful to my fellow API journalists who are just like calling it for what it is and really pushing for this reporting and getting it out there, um, especially with our elders. But, you know, I it made me feel like I was really scared for my family and like my parents are older, like they fall into that category. I know they're in their little pocket in Jersey and they've been in this neighborhood forever. But like, you know, you just don't know, right? And I think that's just a common fear you have for your family. Um, but I think, but what happened on March 16th in Atlanta really hit home in so many ways. 
um, I remember seeing the word shooting in my alerts and I was like, I am tired. I really don't want to find out right now. And I tried really hard that night to be like, I don't want to, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. I will check in the morning. I saw, I think I saw shooting in Atlanta and I was like, okay, I think I can like terrible of me as a journalist, but also as a person yeah, to be yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I this right now. Um, then I had a friend who just kept texting me and she's like, Emily, read the news. And I was like, Oh, I hate you, but I don't want to. <laughs> um, and so I did, I started reading everything about it and, you know, tried to go to bed, whatever. I was like, we're not going to know much now. We'll find out more tomorrow. So I woke up and I, I started to find out more. Um, I, I ended up getting messages from people all around, like, are you okay? Whatever, all that stuff. And then I started reading more about what actually happened. And, you know, I started seeing certain words that became triggers that probably other people might not associate as triggers. And I saw things like Asian women, saw things like spas, massage parlor, white man, gun, you know, yeah. things. And then I saw the words sexual addiction. And that's where I was ready to flip a table. Um, I know people are really triggered by the bad day, but the sexual addiction actually triggered me more um, because the difference, I think, with being affected by seeing your elders or elders in your community being hurt and eventually killed, this particular thing was now like, felt like it was directed towards me. Um, I... In my growing up, I have been as an Asian American woman um, or even girl have been one of those who've been hypersexualized and, you know, said so many weird, vulgar things by people who are by men who are young and men who are very old. And I still can't tell which one I'm more upset with, like the really old grandpas who say really like racist slash really gross things or like the young guys at the bar who say that like it's just it almost feels the same um and so when i started seeing things like sexual addiction i was like oh my god the boy just wanted a happy ending and what the fuck like i that i was like i before i could even cry about it i was just really mad um because at that moment he looked at them as like machines or objects like we're no longer people like asian women at that point for me felt like the world looked at us as objects and things that just provide you pleasure to get off and that was really hard to take um and so that really like was a lot um but then at the same time like I think when I started to talk about these things um you know people were like are you okay blah blah, blah. and I would talk about it and I would talk about things openly and like say how I felt and then sometimes I would cry and that was okay and you know, I, I, I did have to take some time. Like, I, I remember taking a day off from work just to, like, let things process. And one of the reasons I did take, I had to take, like, a mental health day was um, one of the, so now with the, the six with the six Asian women who have been killed, um, they refer to them by their Asian names. However, when they were first doing the reports, they, one of them shared, they, what, the name that was shared was her English name, her American name, and her American name was Emily Tan. Oh, yeah. And I remember reading that, a friend like texted that to me, and I, I was with a coworker in one of our meeting rooms in the office, and I saw that, 
And I remember saying that to her and I just started to sob because like nothing feels more directed to you. Like, obviously, I don't know this woman, right? But like, you know, when you there's that thing when you start seeing like your community being attacked and being like killed. If you're a part of that community, you can you can like put yourself in their shoes and say like that person could have been me or that person could have looked like me or I look like that person. But nothing felt more directly linked than that moment where I saw my name and I have a really like I, I learned later that I have a really common Asian name like Emily and T- Emily Tan is a very common name if you google it um but being attached to that tragedy just like that was a lot to um swallow for me um and I and and it was more like I just had to process it right um and then you know I I was I could have been mad. I was at work. Like there was just like a lot of things that I could have done or I wish I did or I wish I could say, right? But obviously when you're in the context of being in a professional place or even just being an everyday person, right? Like that was the moment I was having a bad day, but that doesn't mean I'm going to get an AR-15 and start shooting people up. Like that's not how I would handle it, right? Nor should that ever be how anyone handles it. Um, So that was weird and very awful to feel and then like moving forward with like now this is still in the news and like now people are protesting and like I think especially with what happened in Atlanta it really woke the Asian AAPI community up and like we're like oh my gosh like we have been taught for so many years to keep our head down to stay quiet to like not cause a fuss don't don't make things like super I don't know super like don't put the attention on us. Yeah. We're just trying to live our days. And it's, but we're so tired now. Like now you not only attacked our elders, you attacked women, right? And oh, wait, in New York City, men are getting stabbed and cut in the face. Like it's not, this is now coming like full circle. Like obviously there's like a certain group of people, demographic that I don't want to say because it's like my own superstitious fear of like them being attacked too. And I just don't, like, I think within the community, we're just tired of, like, being erased, right? You know, Daniel D. Kim talk, said it best in, like, he spoke at a congressional hearing and said, like, Asian American statistics are, Asian statistics are never really reported. You always see, like, white, black, and Latinx or Hispanic, but you never have Asian statistics there. And it's not because the data is not there. It's because we are our group is deemed as statistically insignificant. And like, you know, I don't think a lot of people in the API community, like we know that, like we have that feeling, but to have it said like that, like that's really triggering. Like then it's like really showing that we don't exist. Like we're here, we're doing work, we pay taxes, we go to the schools, we provide people with all the food that they love to Instagram, but we still don't matter. And I think right now we, for many of us, we just, we just want the chance to matter as people. And like, especially with yesterday, um, I don't think it happened yesterday. The video released yesterday, um, a 65 year old, there was, um, a 65 year old woman who was walking somewhere in front of a, some kind of apartment building or whatever. And the camera caught it there. And as she was walking by the door, um, a man came up to her, kicked her first in the chest and started to kick, repeatedly kick her and stomp on her on the face. 
Um, everything was caught on camera. And before the clip ended, you see that the security guard closes the door on the whole situation. It doesn't do anything, yeah. And like that probably, I mean, there have been so many graphic things, but like to see that entire attack unfold on camera, like I think before the API community would probably just like start circulating it within our community, right? We wouldn't do it in a big thing. But now on social media, everyone is now not just retweeting, but they are retweeting with comments. They're now saying things like, this shows how we are treated worse than animals and shows that we are now subhuman. We are now, we're not significant, apparently, in America. Like, we don't matter um, and stuff. And I was just like, that was just, you know, that could have been my mom. That could be my aunt. You know, that there's so many ways to look at that. And I think I think that's a lot that I said, but also, like, it's just, it's... No. No. It's been a lot to kind of process and I'm still I know I'm still processing things right now. No, thank you. Thank you for sharing all that. Um I just from my perspective like seeing it's there's an importance of when you see something, you say something or you do something. Like you you can't when somebody gets attacked, you either have to intervene or get the authorities or something like that. You can't just let people just get brutal brutally like stabbed or you know like cut or anything like that or just punched it's just it's terrible and i know that there are many layers to this because you know from a woman's standpoint you you got that there where i I think that in the press conference not only the dude like the cop says like oh he was just having a bad day well when i have a bad day i either go to the gym uh i read I take a nap. You know what I mean? I don't go and shoot eight people to death. You know? it's, And then there's also what you touched on is like the fetishization of Asian women. Because you, you hear, and it's a joke all the time, like the love you long time from, you know, full metal jacket and uh, massage parlors, happy endings. And, and, you know, they say like he was like, either had like a sexual a sex addiction addiction or something like that which is not a thing you know what i mean like it's not something and i kind of go back to that with first off it's rooted in white supremacy let's start there like there's a white supremacy has always been a problem in this country but it seems with the last four years it's okay to put it out in the open it's it's seemingly okay to injure and kind of like be a maleficent force against other people who don't look like you so you know that point for me was last year with george floyd and i know how you said you know with atlanta atlanta was not the first instance of you know violence against asian americans like george floyd was not the first instance of you know police killings or racism against black americans so it's you know like as you said like off pod where it felt like you were finally like the asian americans were finally seen and it's weird because like you have the spotlight on you now it's also you're also thinking in the back of your mind like to the rest of the world like where have you been this has been happening to us for a long time you know what I mean? Like, this rhetoric has been out there 
for a long time. Like, you know, you've had people in the in the last administration say, like, no, it came from China. It came from China. They sent it to us. It was a scourge, blah, blah, blah. And, of course, you have that racism there where, you know, there's people who think that all Asian Americans are Chinese. Yeah. Which is wrong. Yeah. Like, it's not, like... <laughs> There's Korean, there's Filipino, like, Americans. It, it, it's, it's all under one monolith. And, you know, there's, with these protests, obviously there's, you know, uh, on uh, thankfully an onslaught of, like, black and Asian community solidarity because although it feels like there's are different and our communities have been at odds for, yeah. like, our racism against each other there's a common enemy in the white supremacy so it's like you know what i mean like we can we can talk about our differences and hash out our differences which i think we do need to do but like there's a bigger threat like you know what i mean like there's i don't think that like there are asian americans or black americans who are coming with ar-15s shooting people to death because they feel mad or they feel because they're mad that like a woman had shunned them on a date or haven't, you know, given them what they wanted, you know, like it's, it's, I, I I mean, like I did with, I'm, I'm thinking back to when the election happened and when Biden won the 50th Uh time, the 50th time that he won. And you've, we all, I, I think we all had a collective sigh of relief. Like, it was just like, yeah. okay, thankfully, like, the evil is defeated. But it, a few months after, it's like, oh, my God, like, the battle's only begun. Like, it was just kind of like the first round of a problem that America's had before. And now it's like, this. now everybody can see it because there's social media. Everybody can see all the videos of this happen. Like, you know, George Floyd was on every newscast. Now, like, these Asian-American attacks are on CNN or on MSNBC. Yeah. You can see them out in the open. You know what I mean? Like, you can't ignore shooting. Like, it's... No. You know what I mean? Like, you can't ignore the, the, the families and the stories that are gone because of just an evil act. So I wanted to rope into that because you have been to... Um, rallies and protests and you've had amazing photography uh, chronicling (laughs) this so i just wanted to get a sense of you being there and the energy like in new york like the energy that you felt and that if you feel that there is there any progress being made where like we can actually make a dent into this white supremacist racist problem well i mean i think so it, um, I'll, I'll touch on the protest stuff first um, because that's a little bit more recent um, in the sense of like I went to three rallies on on like this past weekend before getting my second dose, um, <laughs> and yeah, I I real I before like having the job I have now and just like before I really got into like at the same time I was actually doing music photography and journalism I was also photographing a lot of protests and it's something that I, I I mean I went to NYU and and they definitely have their own protest culture 
Um, and so I was kind of involved in some of those circles and like, you know, in different like Asian American groups or even just like, you know, students of color groups and stuff like that. Um, so I was definitely in kind of like aware um, from a young age. And I don't know, there's something about for me, this idea of fighting for what you want, like for me, American, I don't even want to say American dream, but one of the things about being American is that people can fight for what they think is right, right? Even if we don't agree with it, like, you know, like what we saw during the insurrection. Sure, in my opinion, not right. But you know what? They fought for what they wanted. Um, I think uh, I think with going to these protests, considering the fact that I've covered protests in the past and photographed them, one of the things I realized during actually the the protest last summer after George Floyd and after Breonna Taylor's murders were I thought back and I looked back at my photography and one reason I actually didn't really post photos from the rallies and protests that I went to last year with BLM one was COVID because you know everyone's gonna be like why are you there why are you out there where's your mask at now there's that aspect but I think the other thing too is that I wanted to respect the black community and especially black photographers. Um, you know, it's like there's something about covering your own community that I think is so powerful. Um, and it's almost like, you know, it's like you're in, right? And, you know, uh, whether before I even got to the protest, I was following all of the coverage on like, you know, on Instagram and like people taking photos. And these photographers, the photographers, especially in New York, were just so they were capturing things that even where I think I'm a good enough photographer, I couldn't capture because I don't have that lived experience. Right. And I don't, I may empathize, but I don't have that same feeling because I'm not black. And I felt those voices were very important. And I think those points of view needed to be reflected. So instead I decided to just start in my own way to whatever follower base I had was to try to like amplify those photographers and like show their work because those are the ones who should be covering the story, you know? Um, And I'm happy, I'm happy to have seen like, you know, by not because I did it, but just like more uh, like other photographers on Instagram were doing that. They were trying to amplify certain photographers and they were able to get on the cover of time or like on the cover of like the New York times or B and now some of them have like staff jobs or stringers for these bigger publications. And I'm, I'm very happy that they're there because those voices need to be like those visual voices need to be seen. Um, And so I kind of looked at that now with the protests that have been happening more recently and it's the first time I ever pro- cover, like, photographed any kind of protest that affected me personally, um, which I've never, I feel like I've always had some weird detachment to it. Like, well, this is like a collective thing, or this is like everyone versus just like my community, whatever. And so I, like I how, really. Like how the, uh, the women's march was. Exactly. Like, I mean, I, I went. I went to the first, um, the first one in, in DC and I did cover it for NBC, um, and took photos and things like that. But you know what bothered me later on looking back is that I realized just for the sheer, obviously, numbers that majority of my photos were mostly of white women. 
and that bothered me you know looking back on it like why why didn't I make that like why didn't I intentionally make that point to photograph more women of color right like these are all I that's my own criticism to myself like if I want to to amplify communities of color like why don't I do that in my photography and it's something that I'm definitely working on more and trying to diversify my the way I photograph and stuff like that. And and I think that, you know, now doing this with like the Asian American photos, like it's funny how and when I say about overwhelm with people noticing, like people have been messaging me and like like saying thank you so much for documenting our uh, documenting us and like being there and like whatever and you know, I did that with other protests and stuff. Like, I covered, like, the fast food protests. I covered anti-Trump protests, blah, blah, blah. And, like, I didn't get that reaction, right? Because there were so many other people doing it. But there was something about, like, photographing specifically, like, all of this, stop API hate, you know, all of these kind of rallies and stuff that for some reason have been, I guess, actually making that impact that you just hope as a photographer you make. Um and not that I'm trying to do it for the likes. I'm not trying to do it for like some kind of like raising my follower base, um, which thank you for anyone who has followed me since. <laughs> but I mean, I like it's nice. It's nice to be appreciated. But, you know, when I started getting when people started like messaging me, other photographers started messaging me and they're like, you know, what you're doing is really important. And like, you know, continue doing that. Obviously, please be safe. Um not just because of COVID, but just for yourself and like all these things, getting the feedback from the photo community that actually has meant so much and is like pushing me to do it more. And I think we've talked, we talked about this, like before we started recording that like, I'm also a writer and I usually write a lot about feelings and all whatever, but I realized there's been so much writing just about how people feel just to give others who have no idea about the Asian American experience or Asian experience any context that's really saturated right now and I felt that the I want to use my platform to do it visually and so I've been kind of processing things and dealing with my emotions using photography and trying to convey to people that like we are people and we just want to be seen and that we go through pain and that you know we are not just these people who like you know, are there to take care of your children, cook your food, satisfy your sexual needs. Um, I don't know. Are your IT staff like we there? There's so many stereotypes who are your doctors and nurses, like whatever. You're the person who invents like the latest tech craze, the one who made TikTok. Like we are not just those people. We are just human beings. And you know, I think when we start, we look. You you mentioned. Um, about the tensions between the black and Asian community. And that's definitely a conversation that needs to happen or is happening, but needs to happen more. Right. And like there, there, there's definitely, you know, issues with that. And I will never be here to say like, well, there is no anti-blackness in the Asian community. No, there is like 100% there is, but like, and vice versa. You know, yeah. And I think like opposed to what I've seen in the black community, like coming out, on like social and saying like calling people out. I feel like within the Asian community, at least what I've been doing personally is doing it smaller, right? Like we, within our community, a lot of us are very tied to our families, 
and very much like trying to have these conversations with like our elders or having them with other family members who nine times out of 10, whatever issues they have against the black community is not anything more than something that was just told to them, right? They're like, oh, they're scary. Like, no, they're not. Like, get to know them, you know? Um, I, I'm, not, I'm not scary. I, I will say that. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like, <laughs> you know, it's just, it, 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 there is this, like, myth that ends up coming. And I think, you know, um, these assumptions and prejudices aren't really fueled by anything more than, as you said, white supremacy. And, and like, personally, for me, when I, I have these conversations with my mom, my mom and I are very close. And like, we have conversations where if I have to explain to her what white supremacy is in our native language, yo, that's hella hard. Like, it, the words I have to pull out of my brain that people don't even use to try to explain to her. And she speaks English. She speaks perfect English. It's not like she doesn't know how to speak English or it like, you know, whatever. Or it's just, I know that she would probably understand it more if I spoke, spoke to her in Tagalog, you know? And, and I love that she had the foresight to be like, no, I want my daughter to know this language. I want her to be bilingual. Um, and I also understand her dialect, which I'm very happy that like, I understand that it's like, it makes me proud to be who I am as not only Filipina, but also Ilocana. Um, and so, you know, being able to communicate why we shouldn't have anti-blackness within the, the, the Filipino community, why we should stop saying like, like certain things or why we shouldn't have these perceptions on the black community. Like these are things that she kind of didn't even realize were issues you know and and a lot of it is because you kind of just go through life and you're like if it doesn't really affect you you kind of just go with it um but yeah i think again like we should definitely still i think these conversations between um the like black and asian community need to continue and they're messy and they're gonna get messy and very uncomfortable but they need to happen but in the end we also need to unite and like fight the idea of white supremacy, not necessarily white people, just white supremacy, the system, not the people. Like, you know, it's yeah, just like, can, can, yeah, they'll be like well, what, what do you mean? You hate all white people? It's like, no, 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 no. No. We hate, a... we hate the construct where yeah. like it's oppressing everybody else where white yeah. people do benefit from, you know? Yeah. And the thing is, like, you know, I don't know if you, you've probably seen the whole thing about the model minority myth. Yes. That's kind of been going around. And, like, it's that idea that, like, look at Asian people. They are super successful and they make tons of money and, like, blah, blah, blah. And they have big houses and all this stuff. They all work in Silicon Valley or in the hospitals, like, whatever it is. Um, Yes, that is true. There are some Asian people who are like that. But what people don't understand and are or are just ignoring Asian people who are not like that. Um, you know, um, within the a- API community, it has the largest economic disparity <laughs> out of all the groups. You have the people who are like billionaires, and then you have people who live under the poverty line. Like there is not a there is no other group that has such a huge gap like that. Yeah, it's like black people were like they think we we either uh, sports. Uh, we all do sports or uh, we're rappers and singers and we run labels like, no, like, you know, we 
We could be doctors. We could be lawyers. You know what I mean? Lawyers. You know, we could be scientists. We are not of one thing. And it's just, you know, like these myths, like just like with the, with the Asian community, like all Asians are good at math. Yeah. Uh, You know, like, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, like, you know, all black people, you know, can rap. You know what I mean? It's just like, I, I can rap a little bit, but like, uh, it's just, I, it's, Coming together and understanding where our differences lie uh, and actually speaking about them and realizing that getting down to the root of that and working together because as we hash out our differences and work through those, we can take on this bigger thing. You know what I mean? Like this bigger thing that is literally oppressing all of us through in every single system, like capital, our capitalist society and, you know, like hierarchy, and, you know, you see it through legislation now, unfortunately, where you feel like, you know, we get a win and then we go two steps backwards into 1953, it seems, depending on the day. So, I mean, I don't know, you know, I, I seeing from what happened last summer, I was a little bit optimistic, I mean, obviously with some companies and some people it's a little performative but then mm-hmm. but i did have like a lot of friends reach out and really try to learn like okay like how do i do better how do i do this every day how do i you know i've had some you know white people like reach out to me is like how do i address you know my white privilege and use that to actually inflict change and i'm like dude you have to actually have those hard conversations with um, your family members, your friends, and let them know that it's not okay. You know, it's the same thing with, like, dudes and with uh, with men where, you know, objectifying women and, like, things that they say. Like, no, you have to have – we have to police that. We're saying, like, listen, that – the way you are talking to her or the way you, like – try to treat her like physically that's not okay like we we have to stop that and it's just maybe in our lifetime we'll it'll get better i hope you know what i mean by the time like i'm old and gray i'm already bald i don't have any hair so gray in my beard that i'll see some progress to the point where my kids can say all right like we don't have to fear you know, somebody getting upset or having a quote unquote bad day and like shooting up a place, you know, or we can not fear uh, some rogue like legislation that tries to take away rights and things of that nature. I I don't know. Like, I'm glad that like we've had, we've talked about this to the point where more people can understand where you're coming from and understand that this is an actual problem that we all collectively have to tackle. It's not one community that fights this. It's going to take all of us and our collective energies to make sure that this doesn't happen. Like, real lives are being impacted. There are, you know, like like I said, like eight people don't get to go home to see their families. Or... Um, people have medical problems because they're being attacked and like the elderly 
are getting attacked and things like that. We can't, we just can't just sit by and let these let these things happen. We have to do something about them. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I think I think that's the thing, right? Like for anyone who's listening and hasn't been like directly impacted, um, whether like they don't know someone who's been attacked or like they're not part of a community who has been attacked. It's easy to kind of just brush it to the side um, and think that, you know, well, we're going to be okay because like I'm not directly affected. But like, actually, if you really start to think, like if you really think deep down and think about like your friends or say the person who is who like if you live in a building, the doorman, like or, you know, just the person who delivers your food or like the person who's who the the people who work at the doctor's office you go to or like your colleagues or your colleagues families or just a friend you haven't talked to or someone you went to school with these there are people you know that are affected by these things and like it's not to say that like you now it is your job to now check on every single person obviously be genuine in who you want to reach out to but i think there's something to be said about feeling some kind of like I don't want to see allyship, right? I think like a genuine acknowledgement, at least for me personally, like I'm definitely at that stage right now where I'm still like, just acknowledge that this is a thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't need to be, you don't need to rally. I mean, it'd be nice. You want to donate to an organization that's helping for the cause. I'm about it. If you want to, if you want to like, you know, um, if you want to like talk to whatever to make a situation better, I'm about it. You want to, as you said, like talk to your family, talk to your friends about these issues. I'm about that. You know, I don't, I, it would be nice if it's more than just posting something on social, which I also appreciate that. I think that is another form of acknowledgement can be performative. Most likely is performative, but you know, I'm not going to, Hey, hey, look at me. Like guys, like I care. I really do care about this today. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like, there is that thing that they talk about on social where it's like, you know, posting it on your Insta, I mean, on your stories versus your feed. Yeah. And it was like, it was like, it's one of those things where you're just like, what? Like, uh, I mean, Ah, that's that's enough racism that I fought today. Ah, you know? Yeah, you know, like my whole thing, and this is what I tell to white colleagues, white friends, um, white people I meet, um, is that, you know, feel you're lucky that you do not have to wake up every single morning and wonder, am I going to be attacked today? Mm-hmm. Not necessarily, you know, attacked to a point that go to the hospital, but just like verbally attacked um, psychologically attacked, pushed, um, you know, for the only reason that they do it is because of what I look like, you know? Um, and like, especially within at least the Asian American, the API community, or I say, I always say Asian and Asian American community, API community, because I know that there are Asian, uh, right now within the conversation, there is that you know, there's Asian American Pacific Islander, which is usually API, but then people who are Asian and just came from Asia don't always feel like they are part of that group, right? Because they don't see themselves as American. They're just Asians who live in America. 
Um, so I try to like be mindful of that. But, you know, one part of it that ties to that whole like, Asians who just immigrated from America is like, there's a whole other conversation of attacks on, on Asian people regarding ICE and immigration. You know, I think people assume that immigration issues only happen to the Latinx community, but it's not. <laughs> you know, there are currently, right now, ICE raids happening in Queens because of just, you know, whatever their tips are of, like, there's a bunch of, like, there's a bunch of, um, like, undocumented people. Let's go arrest them and put them in whatever, whatever receptacle they want to put them in i don't know where we're at right now in today's in biden's america but you know yeah yeah. boy yeah so it's it it there's just a lot of layers to it that i've come to realize and we talked about this um before uh off pod but like i've come to realize that a lot of people the reason why it just seems like this is a bigger problem and the more they start to dig into it, they're like, oh my God, there's so much is because no one ever actually read into it from the very beginning. So it's like the the Asian API community is very layered and very complicated because we are like, what are we, like 35 to 40 different countries represented into one group with some like, also with like um, commonwealths in there with the Pacific Islands. And then like, and then you have like how many many languages, how many different cultures, how many different religions all lumped into one small group. But we are very big um, and also can be very different. Um, and that's even an issue within our community of like, you know, East Asian versus Southeast Asian versus Pacific Islander versus South Asian. Like, you know, your region, wh- what region your family or you come from also has impact on the coverage you know it's as other people who aren't part of the community are learning we within the community are also learning about each other and how we can unite you know so it's just something that i hope that with everything that's happening besides obviously everyone being safe in general and like these attacks somehow stopping subsiding i don't really have answers on how to deal with that um that people just start to learn about us and just our history in america we didn't just pop up out of nowhere like we've been here we've been here a while go see minari you know yeah yeah Yeah. and that's the thing like it's funny with that movie in particular like for 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 a lot of a lot of apis they literally were like what we got Asians who farm in Arkansas. Like it was so <laughs> mind blowing because they were just like, oh my. Because when you think about Asian my Asian migration, majority of it is on the coasts, mm-hmm. and it's it's just because that's where the jobs were. You know, like I remember I was putting together a panel for my um, for the Asian American Journalists Association for the New York chapter, and like we were. Uh, I was trying really hard to get, like, a professor who knew about, like, labor history and, like, it was very specific. And I found one woman, and I reached out to her, and she goes, oh, my gosh, that movie, Minari, really touched me because I came from a family. I'm Korean, and I came from a family of farmers. And I was like, yo, that is way on the nose, too on the nose, but amazing, but unfortunately, she couldn't do the talk. But just knowing that I met someone who isn't like the like I, I, I 
found someone who like actually related to it so on the nose was so like amazing to me and like you know i'm supposed to be of the community you know yeah Uh, yeah i i mean i've there was uh a movie that i saw and wrote about from sundance called i was a simple man constance (laughs) you is in that movie but it had it was dealing with uh an asian family through generations from japan but it was mostly based in hawaii so like when i saw minari and like wrote about that film it's like okay i think more people need to see this because it's because you you don't really see asian american families in that container right where it's farmers like trying to like make a living like farming and doing it in the way of like quote unquote the american dream and i'm like okay well like this is this is a beautiful film that applies where i mean if you still believe it or not you know american dream can apply to any to any nationality to any ethnicity yeah yeah 100% i think it's one of those things that you're just like oh my gosh like this is this is you know, this is an American story, you know, like that little boy, even though he did that thing to his grandma where she made him, <laughs> oh, that was like, I, I was hurting during that moment. Like, I definitely was like, oh God, please don't great grandma, but you will. Um, I mean, he was, he exemplified, like, that's what an Asian American is, you know, like, like a lot of us i'm first generation like my parents came from the philippines so like i know that like if i were to have kids they will then be second generation and it would be up to me to teach them about not just being american but also being filipino and maybe for them they might not be as quote-unquote intense about the culture or whatever or maybe they might be might be they might be more than me who knew who knows you know but like i think that's something that I like. I had a conversation with someone um, from Europe, um, a friend of mine, and she said to me, like, oh, but you're Emily. Like, I see you as Emily and I see you as my American friend. And I was like, I appreciate that. I've actually never been really called American. I'm always like a hyphenated, like I'm a Filipino American, Asian American, whatever. Like, I'm never really just American in America. And she and I was just like, but at the same time, while I appreciate that you call me American, you also kind of just erased a whole big part of my identity. You know, I have no problem being in both sides. And I am very proud to be like Filipino and I'm very proud to be from America. I might not be proud to be an American because we mess up a lot, but it's fine. I don't mind that we mess up as long as we learn from it. I hope. Uh, But yeah, like, you know, I think I think the U.S. is very interesting because we are a multicultural country and we've always been built that way versus other countries that have been around and they're literally a monoracial society. And some countries have managed to stay that way, you know. I'm sure there's some mixing here. There's some, like, multiculturalness here, but not in the way that America is. And they might have cities that are like that, but we literally have, like, states that are multicultural, you know, like 100%. Um, And I think that's what makes us different. But also that almost makes it, like, not necessarily our responsibility to be the model, but also just 
you know, it, it should push people to want to learn more and learn more about each other and stuff. Because I can't erase what I look like. I can't make myself Caucasian. Yeah, there's like no I, there's no Instagram filter that you could put no, on in life. I to, mean, like, do that. <laughs> I think we could get into Asian colorism. That's like a whole nother conversation. But like, you know, there are products out there that bleach your skin, and they've tried. They've tried to make us pale. Um, but we can never look like I can never look like a white woman ever, right? And nor do I want to. Like, I why? Like, I was born like this. Um, but I think I think you know it's up to every everyone everyone involved whether you're in the community out of the community whatever to just actually start having conversations and start doing the work right we talk about doing the work there's so many ways to do it have talk to your family read up on things um watch movies like minari um or the asian americans pbs special it's still up for the month um there's a lot people can do uh, to learn more about what's happening um, within not just uh, within the API community, Asian community, but also with what's happening just in general in the U.S. Like white supremacy is a system that needs to be broken and needs to stop. And I don't really know how or when, not not how, but when this will actually be broken. But, you know, I think I it's, guess- it's just like a death by a thousand cuts. It's going to take, like, it's just a big old ceiling, and we're just going to have to keep hacking at it, taking pieces off of it until that shit just comes down. And then, one, you know, hopefully we are alive to see that happen, Mm -hmm. but, like, it's just going to take every day working at it. And then there's going to be pushback, unfortunately, because, you know, like, people crave uh, the quote-unquote, the good old days, even though it... They were good for was it some good? people, yeah. For like, what? Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't good for me or for like people like for like us. But like, you know, the world itself or the U.S. itself, the demographic is becoming more multicultural. It's going to be the norm. So, you know, we have to. We got to tackle this, and we have to stay on our p's and q's. We have to ha- keep at this every single day you can't really be lax about it because unfortunately if you don't get uh if you're not directly impacted by it somebody you know will or somebody they will know you know And, and, and like you said like it may not come for you one day but it may come for you you know another day unfortunately you know before I let you go, I will get, ask you one last question to kind of lighten up the mood a little bit. <laughs> okay. So what is the first thing that you're going to do once we have, quote unquote, like herd immunity or we can kind of be out and about a- amongst each other? Oh, my gosh. Okay. So I've been talking about this a lot and I, <laughs> I don't know why. It's just been ha- It's just been in me. But if everyone is really safe, everything is all good, we will not make each other sick, 100%, I am ready to go to a dance party and just be around people and just dance. Like, I miss that so much. You can only dance in your apartment by yourself for so long. Um, that's that's all I really want right now. Like, if I'm thinking of, like, post-pandemic funness, 
I mean, I could say I could travel, but like technically you can travel. So travel would probably be like there too. But like when I'm saying like everything's fine, everything's good, no one will give necessarily, no one will be, make someone else sick. I won't make anyone else sick. No one will make me sick. I want to go to a dance party. Yeah. I just want to go to a dive bar with my friends. And, um, (laughs) you know, get nachos or something like that which is kind of like i don't know play jenga i i I, just something there where we're just all together and yeah we could it's not worry about like getting each other sick and just having a night out that's what i want to do i'm just like can we just get can we just fast forward to the point where we do that you know what i mean there's so many places i want to go in new york and so many friends i want to visit um soon soon though very hopefully knock on wood very very soon i hope so i hope so um you know summer's coming up so it's people are gonna summer's you don't need to be a hot girl hot boy you just need to enjoy summer's summer's here a new beaver album is out you know what i mean (laughs) so (laughs) emily i want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast uh, where can people find you? Um, so I'm really bad with websites and things, but if you want to see the photography that I've been working on, you can find me on Instagram at um, Sesame, so C-E-S-S-E-M-I. And you can also, it's the same um, handle for Twitter as well. Um, if you want more like links or just more information regarding the API community and what's been happening. Um, but yeah, um always looking to talk to people, collaborate, do stuff on photos. So yeah, you can find me there. And as always, you can kind of look us up at Life of Thomas Quarantine Podcast. Uh, Give us a rating, give us some comments. Uh, We'll be back here every single week. Thank you for listening to this conversation. I had some fun. Emily had some fun. We laughed. We cried. We got heavy. We talked about what we're going to do after the pandemic. Uh, Until next time, folks. We will talk to you.